Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcou, and he, well, he's the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, self-quarantining, not for the reasons you think, but for the reasons you know. Mr. Doctor, Mr. Doctor, Christopher Cullen, <laughs> Dr. Christopher Cullen, how in the hell are you, my friend? Uh, I don't know what that's supposed to mean about self-quarantine for the things you know. What do you guys know about me? That's weird. I'm good, though. Well, so. you you are, a, uh, you are a socialite. You are a member of the media. You are a sports celebrity these days. And uh, people know more about you than you think they know about you, I guess. I don't know what the fuck. We're, we're doing this at a different time than we normally do, and I'm a little <laughs> bit weird. So, you know, look, I got chopsticks from my drumsticks. And you're wearing clothes that looks like you're about to go to Lowe's and get some uh, bags of mulch. The worst part about that is I have to go to Lowe's a little bit later today to get things for this bathroom <laughs> remodel that I'm in the middle of. So uh, you'll look perfect. You'll, on. You walk in and people are just going to randomly come up to you and ask you where things are in the aisles because you just look like you frequent Lowe's a lot. I'm just going to have to be running away from people, just going trying to find the aisle where no one is and just you know break free. Uh, speaking of uh, breaking free and running, we're talking about the running backs, Chris. We've already fixed the wide receiver room. We know what's happening in the quarterback's room. Another area of concern for the Miami Dolphins in 2020 and beyond is the running back room. Um, but before we get into that, Chris, there's a couple things we need to talk about about the Miami Dolphins in general. Uh, kind of a rough Super Bowl weekend for the Miami Dolphins, especially considering that they weren't even in the Super Bowl to begin with. But uh, let's just get it out of the way right now. First of all, fan of the year. Big E, friend of yours, friend of mine, uh, doesn't get it. He doesn't get the fan of the year, but that's no fault of his own. Somebody uh, rigged the votes. I demand a recount, and we should storm the offices of the NFL uh, to, to make yes. sure that Ian gets the rightful place of fan of the year. Congrats to Ian anyways. He got to go to the Super Bowl, which I think was pretty cool. Uh, also, what an experience, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit. Maybe I'd, I'd like to get Ian on the show one of these days and talk about that. That's got to be fun for him and his daughter. He brought his daughter to the Super Bowl. Defensive player of the year goes to Aaron Donald. Uh, doesn't even get runner up, does Xavier Howard. Yeah, I think he got like three votes out of the 50. Uh, nice. Completely shortchanged for the 10 interceptions and just the fantastic year that Xavier Howard had. So we miss out on fan of the year. We miss out on defensive player of the year. Uh, we miss out on coach of the year, of course, because Brian Flores doesn't get it. The uh, Kevin Stefanski from the Cleveland Browns and then Sean McDermott, who I thought was actually going to win it all, the, all, all year round, Chris. Uh, they get first and second, respectively. Uh, so we miss out on coach of the year. We miss out on fan of the year. We miss out on defensive player of the year. Um, but at least at least we were going to get our crowning moment of Zach Thomas into the Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, just kidding. Alan fucking Fanica gets in instead. The former Steeler Jet, the guy who just went like this for a living and couldn't do this to Zach Thomas when he played against him, gets into the Hall of Fame and Zach Thomas does not. So you have uh, just a complete quadruple whammy on Saturday night at the NFL Honors Awards. And then 
on Super Bowl Sunday, not only retreated to kind of a lousy game, Chris, but we get to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a fellow Florida team, win. And, oh, by the way, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, yet another Super Bowl ring. So uh, just kind of a kick in the nuts after kick in the nuts for the Miami Dolphins and their fan base this past weekend. That's what we get for having a 10-win season, Sam, and getting Tua. Um, The – universe corrects itself that was a horrible weekend i was excited i actually have been quarantined i did not test positive uh but i was around someone close that was my work makes you stay home for seven days so i've been hanging out i was excited gonna you know cook some food up for the super bowl have a good weekend no work the next day it's pretty pretty nice and snazzy and it gets ruined yeah I, i haven't watched nfl network since the super bowl and normally i would come home from work uh, one to two, I'm watching NFL now. I'm, I'm watching about the free agencies, about the uh, games upcoming, the, the season that was. I don't even want to hear it. I didn't even want to hear anything uh, this week. It's just horrible. The fact that Xavier Howard got three votes out of 50 is an absolute travesty. Absolute ridiculous travesty. Okay, fine. Aaron Donald wins, even though he had a better season last year and didn't win against Stefan Gilmore, who had – who Xavier Howard had a better season than last year doesn't make any sense at all. But then to, to get three, luckily, which just doesn't help in your contract negotiations or anything like that. Other players are coming out and talking about how hard it is to get 10 interceptions in a, in a game. Somebody posted stats that interceptions as a whole in the league are going down. Meanwhile, he's doing something that hasn't been done in decades and to get three votes is just uh horrible and probably one of the worst things that happened this weekend so and i'm a big zach thomas fan but if it was this had to be the year man and it it is it's super disappointing and alan fanica gets in uh and even john i don't even think john lynch should have went in before zach thomas what do you want a super bowl and he's a white safety like that that gets you the the nod over zach thomas are you kidding me alan fucking fanica Uh, it's just i don't know Dude, I don't even want to get into it because it's a show about running backs, but that made me infuri- I was just infuriated um, that he did not get in. Uh, bad weekend personally, too. Just I'll get onto that with you off air, but it just was a horrible weekend all around, Sam. Uh, it, the only one I'm not as disappointed about is Flores because he earned it. He was coach of the year, in my opinion, but losing that last game uh, should have been a tiebreaker for me. So I, I'm, I'm not worried about it. If you take care of business, you go to the playoffs, most likely Flores is the coach of the year. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, the only one I really, really give a shit about is the Zach Thomas one and, and Biggie, you know, as, as fan of the year. Um, and, and the thing about the Zach Thomas one is because you could make a case that Aaron Donald shouldn't have been the and I think you laid it out perfectly. He had a worse year than last year when he didn't win defensive player of the year. And Xavier Howard had a better year than Stefan Gilmore did last year, who did win defensive player of the year. So what criteria are we talking about here? So, but I think the one that's missing there is TJ Watt, right? I mean, TJ Watt like led the category in just about everything other than interceptions on the defensive side of the ball. And he didn't even get it. So you could make a case that 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 one was just, you know, screwed up from the get go. And I get it. Uh, The one for me was Zach Thomas. And, and, and for all the reasons that everyone is, is upset about it, but here's the, here's what I just don't understand about, the NFL Hall of Fame selection process. It is a min-max of five. Minimum, five people are going to get in every single year, whether they deserve to be in or not, by the way. And maximum, five people are going to get in, whether you have 10 that should make it in or not. This is why this is so ridiculous. This is the one area where I think the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame and Major League Baseball in general has a leg up on the NFL. Because in Major League Baseball, say what you want about their Hall of Fame voting process, At least it's a vote that says if you're worthy enough, if you get enough votes, you get in. 
whether it's one player, 20 players, or 35 players in a given year. It's based on the merit. It's based on them, how they performed against their peers, how they performed against fellow position players that are already in the Hall of Fame or not in the Hall of Fame. And of course, taking into account the era, right? So this year in particular, Major League Baseball didn't vote anybody in the Hall of Fame. And you know what? I'm fine with that because if you look at all the stats, the people didn't really deserve to be in the Hall of Fame other than the the steroids boys. And they've decided as a collective that they're not going to let those guys in. So I get that. I understand that process. You have to meet this threshold. And then once you do, you're voted in. The NFL Hall of Fame, like this is why the argument for Zach Thomas is, is flawed. Every argument that you've made, every argument that I've made about him against Ray Lewis, him against Brian Urlacher, him against his fellow my, uh, middle linebackers, it doesn't make any sense because he's not going up against them. He is literally being compared to Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, you know, Charles Woodson, people that didn't play the same position as him. They played in the same era, but they didn't play the same position. So how do you say that this guy's a Hall of Famer and this guy isn't? Because Zach Thomas didn't throw the fucking ball. He's not a quarterback, Chris. So how do you accurately compare him versus Peyton Manning? Because you're only allowing five people in every single year. Like it's going to be some, you know, exclusive club. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely 100% ridiculous. And I'll tell you why. Let's just play this out. Let's just say this offseason, Chris. Tom Brady goes out as a champion, like we just talked about, decides to retire. Drew Brees decides to retire. Big Ben decides to retire. Larry Fitzgerald decides to retire. Frank Gore, speaking of running backs, decides to retire. Philip River decides to retire. Aaron Rodgers says, screw this. I'm retiring. Russell Wilson says, I'm tired of getting hit. I retire. You now have eight people, eight that are legit Hall of Famers retiring. But when they're up for eligibility, only five of those eight would get in. That's how ridiculous that system is. That's how flawed the NFL or pro Hall of Fame uh, for football uh, selection process is. It is one of the worst selection processes in the history of sports. It really is. It's so bad, Chris. It's terrible. And here, here's the thing about it. It's, it's a yes or no answer. Is, is, did they have a Hall of Fame career? Zach Thomas had a Hall of Fame career comparing him to other hall of fame middle linebackers like you said that played the same position is he the top echelon of all time yes that answer is yes so it coming down to armando salgaro of all people to try to like be the guy here's why he should be i wrote a book and he made a lot of tackles it's ridiculous like look at the numbers watch the tape talk to his peers and his opponents, which I'm going to say right now, Sam, now the Peyton's in, I, I get he'll probably be a big champion for Reggie Wayne, but other than Kevin Mawai, we need other former players that played in his era to step up for him. Like they, they, we need Peyton Manning. We need Tom Brady. We need Marvin Harrison. Maybe not Marvin Harrison. <laughs> um, and now I'm going to get shot. Uh, we, we need the guys that played, you know, LT, the running backs that played against them, the linemen that blocked against them to come out and be like, dude, this guy needs to be in a gold jacket and it needs to be this year. Because until that happens, I knew it going in that he wasn't getting the vote because I'm watching all these games and are all these, uh, these, these talking heads on NFL network and ESPN. And they put the list up with the finalists. Oh, who do you think should be? well i'm gonna say reggie wayne well, i'm gonna say john lynch i'm gonna say he was never ever mentioned by anyone in the national media and it's this right here and for you folks listening at home and not watching it's the logo it's the miami dolphins logo there's some kind of poison nationally in the media where we just don't get talked 
talked about. And maybe it's from the lack of winning, which is ridiculous if you think about it, because those Zach Thomas teams, most of the time, we're, we're going for the playoffs, nine wins, 10 wins every year. Um, and his brother-in-law, Jason Taylor, uh, went in, I don't know if his first ballot or at least the next year, his first ballot. So uh, I, I don't get it. I don't get what it is. Is it just because he wasn't flashy like with the media on the sidelines? He didn't dance like Ray Lewis when he came out. I don't get what it is, Sam. And the worst thing is we've said this before, and I know we don't want to, this isn't the Hall of Fame episode, but we've said this before and I'm going to repeat it. The longer he goes, the harder it's going to be because the YouTube uh, players, the players that have been on HD and been watched time after time, uh, are now going to be retired like Peyton Manning. And so that are still in commercials that are still hosting Saturday night live. So it's going to be even harder for this guy to get voted in the hall of fame. And that's an absolute shame. And they're always going to skew to the offensive players. I mean, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the running backs. Now the, the good news is that there's less and less running backs that are now going to make the hall of fame because of the way the game is going. So maybe just, maybe he gets in in a couple of years, but it's ridiculous. Like you said, he's either in or he isn't. I mean, it's just, it, that's the bottom line. And I wish they were comparing him to Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher. Cause you put those stats up next to each other, Chris, and you can't deny that he is of the upper echelon. Like you talked about. The problem is exactly what I talked about. He isn't up against those guys. He's up against, people from that year and that criteria changes every single year and that's not fair to Zach Thomas and it's really not fair to anybody else uh like Clay Matthews Jr. for example is another one this was his last year of eligibility to get in and he didn't get in and he deserves to be in as well so it's just ridiculous but you know that's all depressing so let's talk about something a little more heartwarming and of course I'm talking about the 2020 running back committee for the Miami Dolphins. You can't even uh, say that with a straight face. There's no way that's a, be- a better thing to talk about. No, it's not. <laughs> I would rather just rant and rave about Zach Thomas for the next 30 minutes instead, but we can't. We got to move on. We have to uh, look at something that maybe we can control, Chris. We've already changed the wide receivers out. We've already figured out who who's going to be our quarterback and possibly our backup quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Now we're on to the running back room here, and uh, it's a crowded running back room, but a, a running back room that doesn't really have a lot of talent. It's not full of talent. It's just full of people. Miles um, Gaskin, Su- Suvon Ahmed, Matt Breda, uh, DeAndre Washington, uh, who else was there this year? Patrick Laird, Jordan Howard, Malcolm Perry, Chandler Cox. Those are the running backs for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. Uh, collectively, those running backs, as well as quarterbacks and wide receivers who rushed, uh, had 428 attempts for 1,688 yards and 15 touchdowns. That's good for a 3.9 yards per carry average as a team. Now, again, that takes into account wide receivers and quarterbacks as well, right? Um, what the, but just to put that in perspective, Derek Henry by himself for the Tennessee Titans had over 2,000 yards rushing and I believe 17 touchdowns and a 5.5 yards per carry average. So uh, Derek Henry is a better running back team than the Miami Dolphins in 2020 to put that just in the perspective and the historical context of what happened. Uh, so while the league is getting away from these bell cow running backs, they do exist and they do make a difference. I mean, the Tennessee Titans don't make the playoffs at all. If it isn't for Derrick Henry, he is that much of a game changer and means that much to the offense for the Tennessee Titans uh, and the Miami Dolphins uh, really struggled in this, in this situation here, Chris. Um, I don't want to get into it with every single player here, but uh the Miami Dolphins have a problem with running backs, and I think they know it, right? I mean, the Miami Dolphins are very aware yes. that they have an issue with the running back room. Yeah, they they know. I mean, we've been trying to bring guys in. We've been trying to, uh, uh, other than draft guys, which, and this is where I kind of get frustrated and fans do as well, where you're beating the table for guys um, 
like uh, you know Dobbins and um, Hilaire and these guys in the draft, and we're like, hey, bring them in. That'd be a helpful tool and a helpful guy. And they just pass on him for, and he might end up being a great nickel corner and maybe a boundary if something happens to uh, uh, Jones or, or Xavier Howard. But Noah Iginababa knew um, is a good first round pick, but uh, maybe you know, he kind of got forced out there. And Byron Jones got hurt in the beginning of the season. Didn't do too well. He's a rookie. I'm not going to hold it against him. But is that guy making game-changing plays like J.K. Dobbins and Edward Hilaire? Now, those guys went to great situations. Uh, Of course, you get to add those to the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City already loaded roster. Of course, they're going to stand out a little bit more. But the fact remains, the fans wanted them. And we obviously ended the season – and the running back position was the, the, the worst, almost, I'd say probably the worst on the entire offense. I mean, if you talk about quarterback line, receiver, and tight end, running back was was horrible. Black eye, huge. Miles Gaskins was a little bit of a bright spot. He, he definitely worked hard. Um, but huge disappointment to not get anything out of Brita, out of uh, Jordan Howard, who we just let go, uh, other than his, like, you know, three yards rushing and 18 touchdowns. Um, it's just real bad. And that's the kind of thing where guys go off about Tua and all this. Guys, look at the fucking weapons he had. I mean, we're playing with uh, running backs that most likely would not be in the NFL if they didn't play for our team. We had such a bad unit. So, Sam, we absolutely have to upgrade, and that's why they called us. That's exactly right. And that's what we're here. And look, the rookie running back class was pretty darn good in 2020. I mean, just some of the names, people are going to understand that these names, Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts had a pretty darn good season for the Colts. James Robinson for the Jacksonville Jaguars went, went, went off for a few weeks. Clyde Edwards Hilaire with the only first round pick in last year's draft. Uh, DeAndre Swift for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Josh Kelly for the Chargers didn't do much. But Cam Akers for the Los Angeles Rams, especially yeah. late, came on just like gangbusters. And you mentioned J.K. Dobbins, uh, Zach Moss, Lamike Perini, all these guys. They, 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 they were pretty darn good. And look, I think the Miami Dolphins tried. There were some reports that came out that they were looking to get one of those rookie running backs, but they got swooped up right before their next pick in the second round. So that's just bad timing or maybe just bad you know, planning of your draft. Maybe you don't go get Noah Igbenogane, and instead you go, look, we're going to reach maybe a little bit and go grab a running back because we know it's a need. Um or you look at them and say, kudos, they didn't see that, that, you know, the 23rd overall pick, whatever Noah ended up being, or 27th, that's not where our value is. The value is going to be later. And again, it wasn't just the draft, Chris. When you look, they, they tried to get Leonard Fournette. They tried to trade for him. They tried to trade for uh, a couple of other running backs that were leaving um, their, their initial teams, like the guy from the Rams, who I think ended up in Atlanta, and a couple of those other guys. They tried really hard to get them. Uh, even later in the year when Le'Veon Bell came on, came on uh, the free agent market, the Miami Dolphins were trying to sign him before he ultimately signed with the Chiefs. So they know that there was a lack of talent, and they know that they needed to upgrade that. They tried at the beginning of the season. They tried during the season. And I think they're going to try again in this offseason, and hopefully they succeed. Because when I look at these running backs, Chris, I mentioned their names. Um, there's not a lot here to, to, to hang on to for the 2021 season. I mean, Chandler Cox was already off the team. He was quietly dismissed. And he, of course, he's a fullback, but he was dismissed before the end of the season. Uh, Patrick Laird, other than being a trivia answer uh, to who's the first person to catch a pass from Tua, I don't know that he's got much left for us in terms of you know, being an effective running back on this team. Malcolm Perry, maybe we'll talk about him and get into his stats a little bit. Jordan Howard led our team, Chris, in 2020 in touchdowns, in rushing touchdowns. He's not even on the team. He had 28 attempts for 33 yards and four and four touchdowns. If you told me those Christian Wilkins numbers, I would uh, that would make more sense. 
I rushed for more yards for the Miami Dolphins than Jordan Howard did, but he had four touchdowns, which led the team in rushing touchdowns for the running back room. He had a whopping 1.2 yards per carry average, Chris. Jordan Howard, that was our big free agent signing that we had. We're like, okay, Jordan Howard, that's going to be our power back. Boy, did he power that back. Um, so Jordan Howard, DeAndre Washington, an in-season trade. You know, we took him because people were injured, right? Everyone was down. We had COVID. We had injuries. So we needed him. He he did okay. I mean, he was okay as kind of like that scat back, come in and help when you can. But you're not going to build an offense with this guy as your starting running back or even your number two. Uh, it really boils down to the three-headed, quote-unquote, monster, Chris, of Miles Gaskin, <laughs> Suvon Ahmed, and Matt Breida. When you, say, uh, that's what, when you say monster and those guys, the monster you're referring to is Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Like that's the, <laughs> there's no scary Freddy Krueger guy. It's, Hey, it's me. Mike, Mike Wazowski. That's the monster of those three guys. Sorry. Not sorry. No, no. I mean, we need a Sully and instead we got a Wazowski. You're absolutely correct. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to when you talk about the running backs for the Miami Dolphins in 2020, but I want to focus on those three because those really are the top three running backs outside of Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course. Um, so let's just get into it. The, the top running back for the Miami Dolphins was Miles Gaskin, Chris, and we all know that he had 142 attempts, 584 yards rushing, three touchdowns, 4.1 yard per carry average, very respectable. Uh, but where I think this is actually understated is Miles Gaskin was actually a pretty darn good weapon out of the backfield receiving as well so we talked about the wide receiver room last time but I, I pulled out the numbers for the running backs let's talk about it now Miles Gaskin four, 41 receptions for four uh, actually I think it's uh, 388 yards with two touchdowns along of 59 yards which was the big one against the um, uh, the Raiders if I'm not mistaken yeah. and then uh, I think he caught 87 percent of his targets uh, so wow. he was a really effective you know, running back, not only in the running game, kind of sneaky effective, but also in the passing game, Chris. Yeah, Miles Gaskins out of the three, uh, spoiler alert, would be the one I would probably try to keep this year um, and add, obviously, talent in the draft and free agency if possible because Miles Gaskins is one of those guys, he looks small in stature when he comes out, but, man, you can tell he runs like a bull in a china shop. He does not want to get taken down. Lots of second effort, second and third efforts um, and real versatile out of the backfield, catching the ball as well. There's a reason Flores trusted him and put him out there ahead of guys like Breida and Jordan Howard. Problem is, is – he had the 380 something yards uh, receiving. I want to get someone with a little bit more talent getting those receptions. And if they do, I have a feeling they're going to have more than 388 yards. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, was he good in a really bad backfield for us? Yes. Would he be as good or uh, not? I mean, not as good, but would he be as productive on the team uh, with better talent around him? I don't know. Uh, he kind of was the tall, tallest midget, so to speak. Like, I mean, yeah, you're, taller than all of them but you're still a midget i mean he, he might actually literally be the tallest guy in the room too of that room so he, literally and figuratively the tallest midget and look he is a little bit of a smaller back but to your point you know this is a case of miles gaskin not not the size of the dog in the fight but the size of the fight in the dog yeah. i mean i just the eyeball test you watch miles gaskin run and he's running hard he's trying his damnedest to get every single yard that's there but Physics dictate that he's going to get hit, especially along, uh, you know, behind a line that's very young and still progressing. And you had, I think, the running game had the most negative in terms of uh, rewards from Chan Gailey's play calling than any other thing. More than the quarterbacks, more than the wide receivers, more than tight ends. He would take people like Matt Breda and Miles Gaskin, who 
we should be utilizing in space and maybe having these stretch run plays and forcing them into the middle with the big boys and they get hit and they get knocked down because they're not the biggest guys there. But Miles Gaskin was a pleasant surprise. And you even said it. Brian Flores came out early in the season, Chris, and said Miles Gaskin is exactly the kind of player that we need on the Miami Dolphins. He's a he's a football player. Now, is he the greatest running back? No. And I think we're looking to upgrade. But he's a guy that I think you do keep on the team. He doesn't really do anything wrong. Um, he tries his hardest. His teammates seem to like him a lot. His coaching staff loves him. Uh, you just got to figure out a way to use him. I think 500 yards rushing when I looked at the stats actually surprised the hell out of me, Chris, because Miles Gaskin missed some games this year. He wasn't in all 16 games. The fact that he had a 4.1 yards per carry average shocked the hell out of me. I would have guessed 3.2, 3.3, just based on you know how watching the game and just kind of seeing how we weren't really going very far. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with Miles Gaskin in 2020. Oh yeah, Miles Gaskin was cool. I love, I love rooting for the guy. Uh, I knew when we got him out of college, and he's that running back that has four years of thousand yard rushing uh, each year. I mean, that's impressive as hell to do in high school, let alone yeah. in college in a big Division One program. I mean, he obviously is a very good running back, uh, very versatile too. He's going to be a great backup for us. Like honestly, like I mean, we're going to get into what we want to do to replace. And obviously those names come into play, but if he's your Kenyon Drake to your, uh, you know, he, he's, you want him to be the lightning to the thunder. The thunder is going to be your starting running back. He's going to have nine to 1200 yards rushing. And then miles Gaskins should have a three to 400 yard clip season as well behind him. Um, and then you use him in the passing game. That's what you have to do. And we need him to be that guy to ask him to be our workhorse and to be our starting running back we won 10 games in despite him being our starting running back. Like you said, the injuries are going to happen. You can be the biggest, biggest bulldog there is and want to run hard and, and be real aggressive. But like you mentioned, physics come into play. He's going to get hit by NFL football players and injuries are going to happen. And in that case, you can't be counting on Ahmed and Brita and, uh, you know, Patrick Laird to be coming in and in game time situations where we need to win a football game. That just can't be the strategy we use moving forward in 2021. No, it can. And if you look at a lot of games where we had to settle for field goals or go for it on fourth and goal, uh, down on the goal line situation, a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're using Miles Gaskin, Suvon Ahmed, and Matt Breida at trying to push the ball over to the you know over the end zone. We just don't. We, he's not a short yardage, you know, goal to go type situational back. You need somebody with some bulk. You need somebody who's a little bit bigger that can actually just push. Jordan Howard. Well, you need a Jordan Howard type without it being Jordan Howard. So, like to, to your point. Um, Jordan Howard's not on the team, so I'm just going to erase his stats real quick. But if you look at Miles Gaskin, Suvon Ahmed, Matt Breida, um, Patrick Laird, Malcolm Perry, and Chandler Cox combined had six touchdowns on the ground. Alvin Kamara for the Saints had six in a game. So again, you <laughs> know, won me a fantasy championship, by the way. <laughs> well, congratulations to you. But I mean, that's just the kind of thing we're talking about. We need somebody that's just going to be more productive in terms of scoring points. And a lot of that's going to have to be on the ground, running the ball in, you know, with three yards to go and things like that. So right behind Miles Gaskin is uh, speaking at college, which is college uh, teammate, Suvon Ahmed, who not a lot of people realized was even on the team until about week two and week three, Chris, um, 75 attempts, 319 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, 4.3 yards per carry average. Again, surprising when you consider the overall team average was 3.9. But again, a lot of that can be attributed to Jordan Howard and his prolific running. Um, Ahmed, not as prolific in the passing game. 11 catches, 61 yards, no touchdowns. He caught about 78% of his 
catchable balls, uh, targets of his way. But again, he was just kind of that uh, emergency valve, right? He was just kind of taking the ball when we were about to get sacked and he'd run it up and get three or four yards and things like that. Not as um, robust as Miles Gaskin in the, in the catching uh, or the receiving side of the game. But again, Savon Ahmed, when I look at this, considering everybody else that was out there, he wasn't the main problem for the Miami Dolphins. Although maybe he is because you look at him and go, he's the best of what we got. And when Savon Ahmed is your starting running back for half the season, that's a problem. Again, it goes back to we won 10 games in despite of this roster, like just unbelievable grit and fight from the team. And Brian Flores deserves a lot of credit for that. But Miles Gaskins and Savan Ahmed sound like the two headed monster for the University of Washington. Like that's that's it. The University of Washington. You're going to you're going to beat Oregon State with those guys and you're going to maybe, you know, have a game against USC, Uh, Arizona State. You're done. They're going to take them out. Arizona, too. But this is the NFL and those guys need to be um, backups, weapon pieces, just gadget guys, uh, second, third string, maybe special teams punt return because you need uh, Kareem Hunt. You need a Nick Chubb. You need a Derrick Henry. You need these guys and Aaron Jones. These guys on the teams that are going deep into the playoffs are doing it because they have stud number one running backs and teams like us with Miles Gaskins and uh, Savan Ahmed, who are great guys, probably great people, and uh, did as well as they could for us and fought hard and really earned probably a long career in the NFL with their opportunity this season. You can't win Super Bowls with those guys. Like, you just can't. There's a reason why the Ravens got Dobbins. There's a reason why the Chiefs got Hilaire, even with all their weapons, is you need that workhorse running back. You you really do. And and it boils down to, I mean, you just you, you touched on something that uh, I wanted to bring up was that when you look at the playoff teams um, in, in 2020, a lot of them, a lot of them had running backs that were thousand yard rushers or close to it, right? You had somebody in that backfield who like, we have to account for him. Obviously, Derrick Henry, uh, Jonathan Taylor as a rookie, we already mentioned him. I think he was third in the league in the league with rushing uh, the Colts were a playoff team. Aaron Jones was uh, 1100 yards rushing for the green Bay Packers. Um, I think David Montgomery, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, just there's a ton of guys on this, on this roster here. Alvin Camaro is like top, top 10. Uh, there's a Cream lot of Hunt folks and Nick Chubb are on the same team. And I think they both had a thousand yards or close to it. I mean, that's unbelievable. That makes your young quarterback's job easier. And yeah. that's what we need. And JK Dobbins, um, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, obviously, um, you know, Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team, James Connor for the Pittsburgh Steelers, not a greatest season, but again, a guy you had to account for. Um, and these were all playoff teams, you know, and, and we were not, and there, that's a big reason for it. Uh, another big reason for it is maybe not using the talent to the best of their abilities. We alluded to it, Chris, the last guy I really want to focus on here, uh, before we move on to the next section here is Matt Breda. This is a guy we traded for from the San Francisco 49ers. He was in the Super Bowl the year before with the San Francisco 49ers. Ironically enough, Chris, the Super Bowl with the Niners and the Chiefs had two running backs in it, one for each team that were actually former Miami Dolphins. And then you look at the Super Bowl. I told you this off year off air with the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, and they both had running backs on their teams in Leonard Fournette and Le'Veon Bell that we tried to get this season. So again, um, the talent is out there, and the Miami Dolphins have recognized they need that talent. They just haven't been able to land it quite yet. But they did trade for Matt Breda, and this was one of those New England Bill Belichick-type moves, Chris, because if you remember, we traded a fifth-round pick to the San Francisco 49ers for Matt Breda. That fifth-round pick is what we got for Kenyon Drake, who we had traded to the Arizona Cardinals 
the season before. By the way, Kenyon Drake had an amazing season for the Arizona Cardinals as well. It would be does. nice, been nice to have had him here uh, this year as well. But we get Matt Pareda, one of the fastest guys in the league, young guy, got playoff experience, a little bit of veteran rub to help everyone else out in in this ring, right? A little thunder and lightning with Jordan Howard and um, and Matt Breda. It could not have been the, the it was the worst storm in the history of running back thunder and lightning storms. Like it was just one pebble of rain that fell down, and that was it. Um, Matt Breda, 59 attempts, 254 yards for a 4.3 yards per carry average, zero touchdowns, um, a little bit better in the in the passing game, but not really utilized. Only nine receptions, 96 yards. He caught 90% of, of, of his targets there, Chris. I mean, he is an effective running back. He's proven that. He's young. He's got fresh legs. He just was not used in Miami. Uh, and when he was used, it was used in the most inappropriate way, like running between the cards in between the center. When you got this guy who's faster than everybody else on the team and uh, on the other team, for that matter, it blows me away how what happened to Matt Breda for the Miami Dolphins. It's uh, that's one of the more frustrating things that happened this season. Um, is watching the highlights of Matt Breda when we traded for him and you're excited about what he can do and you put two and two together and you realize he was being utilized by somebody like Kyle Shanahan who is a young progressive-minded offensive coach which we all wanted here meanwhile here's Chan Gailey running a power eye and Matt Breda up to the the two hole like I, it doesn't make any sense at all if you just watch his YouTube clips okay Matt Breda is running outside of guys and sweeps screens and just outrunning everyone in the National Football League and we're making them Jerome Bettis like it just didn't make any sense and it just seemed to me that Brian Flores and this is where it, it, they're allowed to get criticized a little bit. Okay, guys. So, and I'm about to do that. He, I feel like he had that too much, the Bill Belichick thing where it's like, maybe he fumbled, maybe he did something in practice and just Breda was not getting opportunities. If you go back and listen 45 seconds ago, Sam just read off his stats. The attempts are ridiculous. Nine catches for 96 yards. That, that's a good game. That's a good game. Nine catches, 96 yards. That's his season. Nine catches. We didn't get this guy, the ball in his hands, double digits at all this year. Like that's unbelievable. And so sorely underutilized. And it's almost like, Brian Flores and maybe it was Chan Gailey. I don't know. Got too stubborn when you're sitting there, you traded a fifth round pick for this guy in a draft that you completely whiffed on multiple, multiple talented running backs. And you get this guy and you don't even use him. You don't give him a chance. I, 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 and the whole season with it, you know, you pull Tua, you put in Fitzpatrick, you pull a running back because he made one little mistake. Guys, they're not perfect. And if they're going to play, not wanting to make mistakes, you're not going to let, their talent shine you need to ride them let them get a little bit comfortable get some momentum get warmed up he's a fucking running back you're gonna let him carry the ball two times and put patrick laird in are you kidding me have you ever heard of like grinding a guy and riding an entire drive the way matt breda was used i would be begging to get out of miami if that's going to continue if i were him because it's just sorely sorely misused well, let's talk about Matt Breda and his future for the Miami Dolphins, as well as the other people there. So a couple of things that we should point out. Jordan Howard, as we've been joking about, is no longer with the Miami Dolphins. He's not even in the NFL at this point. Chandler Cox, I believe, is now on the Philadelphia Eagles or a team like that. I don't remember exactly which one. One of the birds. Um, Patrick Laird, ironically enough, we didn't talk about Patrick Laird other than, you know, a footnote in history being to his first catch. He led the running back room with a 5.5 yards per carry average out of all the running backs, but it was only, you know, a very small sample size of 13 attempts for 72 yards. It's all in garbage time at that point. And I think people forgot he was even on the team. They thought he was like the guy that picks up the tee after the kickoff. They're like, oh, oh, wait, he has the ball. Let's go tackle him. 
Um, DeAndre Washington, I think he was a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. You know, he, he's not the guy that's going to be there. So, you know, looking at this room next year, Chris, is Miles Gaskin back or not if you're, uh, if you're in charge of yes. all personnel? Oh, yeah, yeah I agree. You, you bring Miles Gaskin back. It, it, absolutely. Yeah, what about Suvon Ahmed, his uh, college and now professional teammate? Um, it depends on what we do in free agency in the draft, but if it's somebody we need to cut for an upgrade, I'd do it. Miles Gaskins, I feel, brings a little bit more to the table. It's a reason why he started over him at Washington and had a more productive season this year. Uh, just you just can't count on either one of those guys. We're really hoping we upgrade. Okay, so we both agree that Miles Gaskin is a yes. He's on the roster as of right now, and then Suvon Ahmed is probably going to be fighting for a job next year, right? He's going to be the ro- he's going to be on the roster. He needs to be Patrick Laird next year. He's got he's a bubble player. Talk about him. Right. That, that's kind of how we think. Um, Matt Breda is a free agent. Do, do you think Matt Breda has any interest in coming back to the Miami Dolphins? He's like that uh, Bugs Bunny gif where he just saws off the state of Florida. He just is going to go play for the Packers or somebody. There's, there's no way he's going to stay in Miami. I wouldn't. I would run as fast as I can. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Matt Breda wants anything to do with the Miami Dolphins anymore. Uh, DeAndre Washington. We have two quarter, two running backs from the University of Washington, and now we have DeAndre Washington. <laughs> um, is he back in your opinion? Does he, does he merit having a roster spot in 2021? Please no, unless he's the best kick returner in the league and just replaced Joaquin Grant. No. No, I agree. DeAndre Washington is probably not going to make the Miami Dolphins next season, barring some sort of crazy progression. Uh, Patrick Laird, this guy I think has been here for one minute, yet 45 seasons. Yeah, I feel like he's the next John Denny. He just yeah. like sticks around and um, I, please upgrade him. Like, I don't, like, there's just like, and, and, and it, I, it, there's nothing against, there's nothing yet, obviously, there's nothing against white running backs like Brock Forsey or Patrick Laird. There's just, you know, Jason Seahorn was an exception not a rule guys like get patrick laird to the cfl where he belongs <laughs> like come on what are we doing here what are uh, we doing here come on I mean, come, let's be let's be honest what are we doing here he's not deceptively fast <laughs> like patrick jordy laird. nelson patrick like, come laird. on <laughs> i wonder if patrick laird has been approached yet by the miami dolphins about a wonderful exciting future career as an assistant coach He's a he's a work pale guy, coach's son, first man in, yeah. last one out. Yeah, yeah. Offensive quality control assistant, you know, something along those lines. Special assistant to the head coach. Uh sorry, Patrick. I I'm uh, not... he's probably a great guy. I didn't, he's, didn't he, did he say guy. like you talked to him or like somebody knew him? Uh, well, well, we're not gonna get on that on the air. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. pa- Patrick was a nice guy. Um, and then you got Malcolm Perry, who <laughs> Again, I think Malcolm Perry should 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 split an Uber with Suvan Ahmed. Like, come to camp, but but Don't you get know, comfortable. You, you might want to let the meter run on that Uber. You might be turning around and leaving pretty quick. The the problem with uh, Malcolm Perry is um, Lynn Bowden came in and did his job better than him. <laughs> like that's that's what we are expecting from Malcolm Perry, that gadget guy that can do a reverse, can throw the ball, can catch it, can run. Uh, Malcolm Perry uh, is an original draft pick, and he's going to be obviously a disciplined guy, Navy quarterback. Um, the only way I say we keep him is if it's in the same role as this year is more of a gadget guy. I don't even like pin him as a running back, really. Yeah, he's listed as a running back, but I mean, he had three attempts for five yards, so apparently he was hanging out with Jordan Howard all season. Um, so, but yeah, he, he's going to have to come up, you know, and, and show correct next season if he's going to be on this team. So, looking at this, Chris, we got Miles Gaskin as a yes, Savon Ahmed as yeah, show up. 
Um, Malcolm Perry, you know, sure, if you're here, then you're here, but we're not paying for you quite yet. Matt Breed is gone. DeAndre Washington is gone. Jordan Howard's already gone. Patrick Laird, I guess, will be there. And Chandler Cox is playing for another team. So we've got some work to do for this uh, for this running back room after we come back from break here, Chris, because we got Miles Gaskin, who we think should be the number two back at best. And then you got a, you know, two other guys that may or may not even make the team. Um, so we got some we got some heavy lifting to do as we come back. This is a room that uh, needs full on over overhaul. Like we just need, I hope you didn't buy running back jerseys this year, folks. I hope you didn't buy any jerseys, quite frankly. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of you are still waiting on your Tua jersey that you ordered like back in March of last year. It's just finally It'll be like, a Texan by the time you get it. <laughs> just, yeah, can you get that in blue and red, please? Uh, all right. Well, we're going to come back. We got some heavy lifting to do here. We're going to go crunch some numbers. We're going to go pay some bills and we're going to come back and we're going to figure out how to fix the running back room right after these words. This episode of Welcome to Perfectville is brought to you in part by Patch Vibes. Go to patchvibes.com today and upon checkout, type in the promo code PERFECT and get 20% off of your purchase. That's right. Anything and everything in the Patch Vibes store is now 20% off when you type in the promo code PERFECT at checkout. That's right. Go to patchvibes.com and type in the promo code PERFECT upon checkout and get 20% off of all of your purchases today. And we're back talking about the Miami Dolphins running back room. I'm Sam Marcu. He is Chris Cullen. We just told you how bad. Yeah, well, hello. Um, We just told you how bad. Miami Dolphins were in 2020 in terms of running the ball. And uh, we went through, Chris, just like we did with the running back or the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, who's staying, who's going. Right now, we think Miles Gaskin is the only lock from the current, you know, band of idiots that's going to be on the Miami Dolphins in 2021 and beyond. And again, not even as a starter. Miles Gaskin, when you look at the stats and you look at the tape, you go, oh, he's, he's better than we expect. Uh, but he's not a guy you're going to build this whole franchise around. Um, so Please there's no. a couple. No, and, and there's really there's three options for the Miami Dolphins to upgrade the running back room, right? The same three options that you have with just about any any position. But I think these are more realistic when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. Number one, you have free agency. That's the first thing that's going to happen once the new league year starts. You've got a bunch of veteran running backs that are on the on the, you know, on the block, if you will. Uh, number two, speaking of block, you can trade. You can absolutely trade for a running back. As we saw last year, we did that with Matt Breda. We did that with DeAndre Washington. Uh, We tried to sign a running back with Jordan Howard. Or number three, you can draft. Uh, You get young, fresh legs coming out of of college. You could usually get pretty good quality running backs, not even in the first round, even though the Miami Dolphins have two first-round picks. You can go second, third. Uh, We're seeing now, Chris, in the draft that right around late first, early to mid second round is where all those running backs seem to be coming off the board. If you're going to be looking for a starting running back as a rookie, Uh, those are the three areas we're going to explore right now. So number one, Chris, let's talk about the free agent market when it comes to the Miami dolphins um, and who is going to be available. So um, you have a couple of players out there. I just, I'm just going to throw them out there. You tell me yes or no, and maybe a quick reason as to why I think the, the bell of the ball, the one that everyone's going to be looking at if he hits the market is Aaron Jones from the green Bay Packers. Uh, you already say yes. I think Aaron Jones is like 26, 27 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's in a he's in a in an offense and a team that focuses around Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. And you can say what you want about you know the wide receivers for Aaron Rodgers, but he does have Devontae Adams, so he does have weapons that he can throw the ball to. But despite that, Aaron Jones still got 1,100 yards rushing last season, and he's been a fantastic running back for the Green Bay Packers ever since he came really into the league. Um, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, assuming that the Green Bay Packers don't sign him. Um, but Aaron Jones, uh, you, you say yes, if he's out there, he's 26 years old. He's going to be 26 for the most of the season. 
So he's walking into the middle of his physical prime as a running back uh, in the NFL. Uh, if he wants to sign with the Miami Dolphins, you're a yes. I'm a yes, as long as it doesn't break the bank. I'm so weird when it comes to running back, Sam, that, um, you know, you look at a team like, let's, let's say, let's pick a random player on a, uh, on a random team. Let's talk Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had an absolute amazing season at running back for the Minnesota Vikings. They barely did anything. Um, running backs can be a dime a dozen, or you can get lucky and get one in the second, third round, and it can be a uh, absolute workhorse for you for years to come. But Aaron Jones has, um, I don't know. He worries me, Sam. Like, like you said, they have the weapons. They have, uh, you know, uh, Devontae Adams. You have Aaron Rodgers. So, of course, you're not going to stack the box. You're not going to be focusing on Aaron Aaron Jones. And that's the problem is this guy goes, gets paid, plays for a team like Miami, and they're just like, okay, we're just going to stop you and then make Tua not be Aaron Rodgers. And that's pretty tough to do. Aaron Rodgers is incredible. But if he is, um, if he is, you know, decently priced or he wants a kind of, you know, two, three-year contract, 26 years old, damn hell of a good running back and good out of the backfield catching as well. Um, I, w- I would not be mad if we paid a little extra for him because we do have the cap space and we need talent. It's interesting to me too, which by the way, <laughs> we just shit all over the running back room. And then we promoted the running backs coach to co uh, offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Wee. So more, more of the same for the Miami Dolphins running back room. Uh, here, here's what's fascinating to me about Aaron Jones. Uh, he's five foot nine and he's 207 pounds. Miles Gaskin is five foot nine and he's 201 pounds. They're the same person. Miles Gaskin's good out of the backfield. Aaron Jones is good at the backfield. Um, Aaron Jones runs hard. Miles Gaskin runs hard. He's a carbon copy, but maybe like a better, more crisper version of it. I mean, he's obviously got more talent than Miles Gaskin. Uh, I'm not, not, not to discount anything that Miles Gaskin has, but I don't know if you get Aaron Jones, A, because he does have some mileage on him, right? At this point, he is a little bit older than Miles Gaskin, but he's, he's not physically that much different than Miles Gaskett. And, and if you look at the running backs for the Miami Dolphins in 2020, they're all pretty much the same guy. And I'm wondering, is that what we want when you get into the 2021 season? Or are we going to be looking for other types of running backs and other type of running back styles uh, in hopefully a new, you know, newfangled type of offense? So I just don't know. I, I think Aaron Jones is an amazing running back. And wherever he goes, he's going to make the team better. And I would root for him if he's on the Miami Dolphins. I just don't know that we pull the trigger and spend the money that's going to be needed to get Aaron Jones as a free agent. I'm Now I want race or somebody to go out there and see who Patrick Laird uh, physical stature as far as weight and height is compared to mostly probably hall of famers. Uh, just being in the same height and the same weight doesn't mean you're the same player. It's they're Aaron, the exact same thing, Chris. They're the exact same. Thing. They're <laughs> twins. It's like the Spider-Man. Aaron, meme, the Aaron Jones is such a better running back than miles Gassett. He has better vision. He has better agility. He has better speed. He he's better, better hands and, and setting up blocks. There's no way we're comparing these two because they're the same height and weight. They're not the same thing. Aaron Jones is a better player than miles Gassett. Haskins. Um, however, uh, there are other options I'd much rather do. And um, I hate overpaying a free agency, especially from really good teams. And we're trying to be a good team because that absolutely never works out. I call it the Carlos Dansby effect. Like it just never works. Um, draft a guy and build through that. There is a couple of running backs in the draft we'll get to in a second. First, second round, I would absolutely rather have. Yeah, and just for the record, Patrick Laird is six feet tall and two hundred and five pounds. So I should probably shut the fuck up with my Patrick Laird talking <laughs> shit because he's he's he's, he's a, a big, big guy. Dude. He's a big dude, and there's a, there's probably there's probably the same size of like Ladanian Tomlinson or something. You'd be like, oh, you want Ladanian Tomlinson over Patrick Laird? They're both six foot and two hundred five. 
Uh, well, I screwed that one up, um, <laughs> say the least. So let's take a look at some other run, running backs that are out there, right? Because you talked about, you know, doing it through the draft. Um, but the Miami Dolphins need a lot of help. It's not just getting one running back uh, in the draft, right? They're going to need somebody in that room. So there's some other veterans that are available out there. So uh, we already talked about Aaron Jones. Uh, what about James Conner? Uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the show. Um, is he somebody you bring in? And again, this is a guy that's going to want starter money and starter times and starter everything. Is, is James Conner the answer for the Miami Dolphins? I don't think so. He wouldn't be on top of my list, and I don't see the Steelers letting him leave most likely. Um, they just, no. Okay, what about Chris Carson from the uh, Seattle Seahawks? Too many injuries. I agree there. What about Philip Lindsay, uh, no. restricted free agent? Okay, he's already a no. He's weird looking, and he's and he's a restricted free agent. <laughs> he is. He is weird looking. Uh, what about <laughs> James White? He does have a history with our head coach. He's out of the New England Patriots system. He is an unrestricted free agent. What about James White? Coming you bring in James Dolphins? White. He's just replacing Savon Ahmed. You're, they're not. He's an upgrade to Savon Ahmed. He is not the guy you want to build your team around. He's going to be the second to third string with Miles Gaskins, and the starter is yet to be named. All right. What about Todd Gurley? No, um, I have I better knees tried... than him, and I have a torn PCL and partially torn ACL. Well, he, I think we tried to get him this the past offseason. He was the guy I was uh, talking about, and we just weren't able to pull the trigger or spend any money on him. He is a free agent. He did okay with the Atlanta Falcons last year, but uh, nothing terribly special. Uh, here's a couple other names I'm just going to throw out there. Um, this is a guy that I, I like just because I, I was a fan of his father, but Mark Ingram, a veteran mm-hmm. from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, went to the University of Alabama. There might be a reason for uh, for him to be in this backfield. He is a veteran. He's not a guy that you're going to build the team around, but I think he's at this point knows his role. He's going to want to play a little bit more. I think Miami gives him that type of opportunity to play a little bit more, but at the same time, set an example for the young guys coming up that we uh, we already have and possibly could have. Um, I'm a fan of Mark Ingram if he wants to sign here for a reasonable contract. What say you? It has to be reasonable or vet minimum. Yeah, there's just uh, injury history and – um yeah there, there's a reason why he's been on multiple teams and i don't know what it is and i'm not speculating but um yeah there's just a reason that they feel like other players are better than him uh, and and it was camara one point and then now it's uh you know jk dobbins this point i mean you can get better guys in the draft that's all i'm saying <laughs> All right, so I think I know where we're headed here uh, with with what you want to do, but I'm going to put five more names out there, uh, and they all have something in common, and I just want to know what you think about these five players that I'm about to throw out there. Uh, Number one, free agent, unrestricted, Kalen Balazs from the Los Angeles Chargers. (laughs) Uh, No. All right, what about unrestricted free agent, running back from the Tennessee Titans, Sonoris Perry? (laughs) No. No? Okay. What about unrestricted free agent from the New York Jets, Mr. Frank Gore? I know you're going with this, but no. No? Okay. So, so far, no to Frank Gore, no to uh, Sonoris Perry, and no to Kalen Balazs. Um, how about uh, how about Mr. Uh, fifth round traded for to the Arizona Cardinals, also an unrestricted free agent, uh, Mr. Kenyon Drake from the Arizona Cardinals? That's interesting. Kenyon Drake is one of my favorite former Dolphins and was one of my favorites when he was here. Kenyon Drake's a good running back. He it reminds me a lot when Reggie Bush got here and had something to prove. Everybody just thought he was a gadget guy. He can go outside. Kenyon Drake can run, put his shoulder down, and catch the ball out of the backfield. Now, as long as it's reasonable and he wants to be here, um, change from the dry heat to the, to the humid heat down in Miami. And there's a certain person not there anymore. And his name uh, starts with A and rhymes with Fathom Dace. 
And uh, that might be enticing for him to go back. No state taxes and play for a guy like uh, Brian Flores and play for uh, another Alabama guy to a tongue of Iloa. So if it's a reasonable contract and he wants to come back and he's excited to play in the 305 again, it seemed like he loved the fans and, and liked it here. I'd be all for it. All right. Last name, uh, Washington football team, unrestricted free agent, a little bit of a veteran these days, Mr. Lamar Miller. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> yeah. Just so everyone knows the second episode of welcome to Perfectville was completely around the fact that was the year that he became a, a free agent. And we were, we, we were clamoring that the one guy the Miami Dolphins needed to sign was Lamar Miller. And if they didn't sign Lamar Miller, it was going to be a problem. He went to the Texans. We went to the playoffs. Little did we know uh, how much Lamar Miller would fall off after that. Uh, so yeah, we have five unrestricted former Miami Dolphins of those five. The only one you would think about bringing back would be Kenyon Drake. He's young enough to do it. He still has fresh legs because he's been basically a split squad guy in college and in the pros up until recently. I'd be okay with that too, but I think he's going to cost a pretty penny or two. I think that guy um, is probably going to stay in Arizona. Quite frankly, I think you pair him with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and you say, oh, we're going to build around those three yep. um, and, and see what we can That's do. That's a real so, three-headed monster. That really is. That's not uh, like Mike Wazowski. So I'm intrigued by the Kenyon, Kenyon Drake thing as well. I think that would be a good one, Chris, if he were to come back. You pair him with a Mark Ingram. You have a couple of former Alabama running backs with your Alabama quarterback with Tua Tungabailoa. And, oh, by the way, getting into the draft, because I don't think we're going to trade for any sort of starting running back. The, 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 the cost is just going to be too high, and the talent just isn't available um, in, in terms of the trade market. So let's get into the draft. Uh, Miami Dolphins have a lot of draft picks, especially high. This is a high priority for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the number one name on the list is another former running back from the Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. Uh, and his name is what kind, sir? Oh, man. So I'll go ahead and start the fan wagon right now. If Najee Harris is there at 18, you pull the goddamn trigger and you draft him immediately. Yeah, I agree with you. Najee Harris, if he's available at 18, you don't trade back and, and risk not getting him. Uh, you don't run into the same mistake that you had this past season and wait for somebody to drop into the second round. If you have to stretch a little bit to go get Najee Harris at 18, that's what you do. I think that's the guy. Uh, the only way you don't draft him at 18 is if somebody drafts him at 17 or 16 or 15 or something along those lines. And then you go, damn it. But that would also tell you that, look, that guy was in high demand. Najee Harris is the blend of power speed he can catch the ball out of the backfield he knows to a tongue of Iloa uh, it's possible that he's going to have another former Alabama and Devontae Smith uh, or somebody like Eric Waddle earlier in the draft um, I, I think Najee Harris clicked clicks and checks all the boxes for the Miami Dolphins when it comes to a running back a bell cow running back a young running back a stud running back for the Miami Dolphins in 2021 well and Brian Flores mentioned what he liked about Miles Gaskin said he's just a football player and that's what Najee Harris is the only difference is he's a fucking superhero as opposed to Miles Gaskin's being a human being he jumped over a standing up six foot individual and continued running and got more yards in a huge national game this guy is just talented. Guys don't go to Alabama that don't have talent. They have the number one recruiting class every year. Draft those guys. <laughs> like, get them into the NFL because you see with Derrick Henry, you see it with Mark Ingram and Kenyon Drake. Uh, th there's definitely, other than what's his name, uh, Travis, whatever, with the dreads that just was terrible from Alabama. They produce monster running backs. So you go out and you get Najee Harris and you do not look back.
No, I think if you if if your plan is to get Najee Harris, and by the way, he was in the Senior Bowl. His advisors told him not to play in that game, and he says, "No, I'm a football player." To your point, Chris, I'm going to play. Uh, Brian Flores knows Najee Harris at this point. Uh, he knows Najee Harris through Tua Tagovailoa. He knows Najee Harris through the scouting department. He knows him from what he's seen in terms of tapes, national championship games, so on and so forth. That second half of the national championship game was basically a tryout for all NFL teams. Hi, I'm Najee Harris. I'm going to go run the ball into the end zone a bunch of times draft me and you know start booking playoff tickets for your 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 season ticket holders because it's going to happen and he makes that team that much better i think if you get Najee harris with miles gaskin and a veteran of some sort whether it's mark ingram or Kenyon drake or somebody like that all of a sudden you've got three running backs along with suvonic med because you do need some depth there that all of a sudden you look at them and go i have hard gritty running backs that can catch the ball that can run with the ball you know as long as we have a good scheme and we use them correctly all of a sudden this running back goes from a deficit to a a complete surplus for the miami dolphins that's how good Najee harris is yeah he is that good he's that good to where he's going to start immediately and it's going to alleviate so much pressure from Tua Tungavailoa and whoever we add around him and it it helps the offensive coordinators the offensive coordinators are going to be sitting there just licking their chops man you got Najee Harris now at running back and you have the weapons and the draft picks and the capital available to build around him to a draft a receiver at three and then the rest of the draft man that's 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 trenches that's linemen that's pass rush you know make this team better uh and if you do that Najee Harris you just give him the ball 20 to 30 times a game just get in his hand either through the pass or in the run uh all of a sudden we're at 11 to 12 win football team dude like it's it's unbelievable no, I agree, Chris, and I think that's the number one plan. I think, in my opinion, that's what the Miami Dolphins are banking on is getting Najee Harris somehow. But what if it doesn't happen? What if somebody comes up and says, you know what, we want him at number 15, we want him at number 16, or he's just not available for some reason at 18, and you have to go into the second round, and you still don't have that rookie running back that you can sit down and have for the next five or six years or you can turn around and hand him the ball. Uh, who else is available? Who is number two on your list uh, for the Miami Dolphins if Najee Harris isn't available for them? The number two on my list, and this is where I would not be kicking and screaming if Najee Harris gets picked before us because uh, I'd hate to lose him, but there's a guy from the state I live in on the team with the baby blue uniforms that plays with a guy named Sam Howe that went to the same high school my son's going to go to named Javante Williams. And this guy, other than the last name, runs exactly like Ricky Williams. This guy is 5'10", 220 pounds, had uh, 157 attempts last year with almost 1,200 yards and 19 touchdowns for a a 7.3 yard per carry average. Sam, what was our team average last year in the threes? That was 3.9, yes. Wow. He's almost doubling our team's production. He's got a first down every two times he touches the ball. This guy, if you ever watch him, which I did watch a ton of ACC football this year, him and Carter were just monsters. You want to talk about them? Carter was actually in the senior bowl as well for North Carolina. Javante Williams, when he gets the ball, he's angry. He is never tackled by the first guy. He will break tackles, and he's got the speed to outrun you as well. So if Najee Harris is not there at 18, and we have to take uh, with a very high second-round pick, Javante Williams from North Carolina, again, I'm running to the desk, turning in the card, and I'm not looking back. Watch the highlights. He's incredible. Yeah, and he's also only 20 years old. He's a very young <laughs> running back. He's got very fresh legs, and I think he's a guy that you can plug in and play. I've watched – you mentioned him before on the show, Chris, and I started watching highlights of him going, yeah, if he's your you know, consolation prize for not getting Najee Harris – 
I'm okay with that too. And you'd mentioned his, his running mate there, uh, Mr. Was it Michael Carter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's not bad either. I mean, he's going to go in the second or third round as well. I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Michael, uh, Michael Carter if he were to be the pick for the Miami Dolphins? Draft them both. Get Javante <laughs> Williams in the first pick in the second, and in the second, second round, get him too. If we can just bring those guys together and let them play in the NFL, bye-bye, Savannah Ahmed. Glad you Ubered to practice with Malcolm Perry. You can now go play in the XFL that's restarting because we have those two guys, and they're both phenomenal. If you watch Carter also in the Senior Bowl, and I watched him during the season too, in the Senior Bowl, he, he, he's beating and, and outrunning other great top talented seniors from college football. I mean, this guy can produce, he can catch out of the backfield too. a little bit more of the lightning than the, than the um, thunder of Williams, but don't, don't let him sleep on you, dude. Uh, there's no way in my prime playing middle linebacker. Would I want to square up with Michael Carter either Carter will put his shoulder down and run you over. These guys are two badass mofos. So let's stick to the ACC here, Chris, because there's a guy out of Clemson that everyone was before the season was probably talking about as being the top running back. Um, Travis, what is it? ATN? 18? Travis ET. Yes. We're going to draft him because his name's hard to say. That's what I'm thinking as You know, Harris, Carter, Williams, no, ETN. That's where we're going. Um, he, he seems like he's just taking a step back and I'm not quite sure why he does have the talent there. Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, Travis Etienne uh, if he were the pick and where does he go? Is he like a second round pick at this point or is he down into the third round with the combine not happening this year? It's tough for guys like him because, yeah. uh, I love him. Like he, he's a great running back. I watch a lot of Clemson football. My son is a gigantic Clemson fan. Uh, and I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. So ACC is basically all I watch. Um, Travis Etienne can do it all too. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's fast. He can play. The only thing that scares me, Sam, and this is where it might just be a, an anomaly at this point and might not mean anything, is if you look at his numbers against the ACC versus his numbers against their national playoff games and their SEC opponents and their national championships, he has racked up a ton of yardage and production against the likes of Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. Wake Forest, Louisville. And then he plays Alabama or Ohio State, and he's got 40, 50, 60 yards rushing, and he shut down. Now, a lot of that might be because they want to take him away and, and hope Trevor Lawrence throws a couple picks. I don't know. Uh, but when he plays the big SEC schools, the schools that Najee Harris is constantly beating and running against, uh, that's just the only kind of red flag for me. It might not be anything. It might be play calling. It might be just they'd rather throw the ball with Trevor Lawrence. It might be because they're in a shootout and they need to throw the ball. It might not be mean anything. But somebody on Reddit posted the numbers of his numbers against the ACC compared to uh, bigger opponents in, in, in national playoff games, and they're drastically different. No, that's a great point, you know, and, and, and that's something that maybe as he gets to the pros, he's going to be, you know, maybe a little bit more of a specialty back, something that you can use as a, as a weapon, uh, not every single play, but, you know, kind of a special bullet, if you will. Uh, but I think we're in agreement here, Chris. I think the way for the Miami Dolphins right now is to use maybe not their number one overall pick at, the, at number three. Um, and if they don't use the number 18 for Najee Harris, because I think he might be the only running back that goes in the first round, um, they're going to use a second round pick. That's what they should be using. They should be focused on a high draft capital, uh, just like they were with the wide receivers when we talked about that, but with the running backs as well. I think, number one, you go get one of those wide receivers, and then with your second pick, you have to start focusing on, is Najee Harris available? And if he is, that's our pick. And if he's not, where do we pivot to? Because we are going to be using a draft pick on a running back. And I think those Please. are the four. Najee Harris, uh, Javante Williams, uh, Michael Carter, and Travis Etienne. <laughs> 
He's going to be a pick now. He, my son would be ecstatic um, if, if he if he came there. Clemson fans as well. I'm sure uh, 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 Wilkins will be thrilled as well. Former teammate of him at Clemson. Sky is just a do it all type guy. Leads the ACC in career rushing yards and touchdowns. Unbelievable uh, production his four years. And um, if we ended up with him, I don't feel like that's settling. Uh, he is a great running back, and I think he can be really really fine with us. Yeah, I think he's also a guy that if you have him, you do pair him more with a Miles Gaskin, right? And now you're now you're designing plays for both of them. You're not just saying Najee Harris, give him the ball and turn around and say, Yay. You're looking at, okay, I'm gonna use him in this specific package, or I'm gonna use Miles Gaskin in this type of uh, package, so on and so forth. Um so I think that's the game plan, man. We talked about with the wide receivers, we're going to need to bring free agents in and pair them with young wide receivers that we already have or, or should be getting. Uh, I, I disagree a little bit, or it's, it's a little bit of a different tactic when we're talking about the running backs, Chris, you and I agree. Number one is free agents is kind of number two. Number one is the draft. And then, um, you know, maybe we look at the free agency market either after the draft, or if we go into the free agency market, we're looking at, at somebody who's going to be a veteran backup, somebody who's going to be a glue guy um, that kind of like an Arian Foster in Adam Gase's first year, he came in, he started a couple games and then he was going to be a backup and then he promptly retired. But I think that's how we should be looking at the free agent market when it comes to running backs, we need to build through the draft. And I think you do that with, you know, mid first round, high second round draft pick capital. You have to, there's too much talent at the top of the running back board in this NFL draft. And we have too much draft capital to not walk away with one of those four names yeah and if you look at recent history talking about the returns from the 2020 draft a lot of those running backs are just they're going to be good solid professionals that are going to help their teams for very very many you know a long time jk dobbins jonathan taylor um i know i'm you know deandre swift all those guys um they went in the second round third round things like that and now they're going to be starters and be fantastic starters for a long time in the league and i think the miami dolphins need to copy that and say okay we're going to go get uh, a running back in the draft and we're going to pair them with a veteran and maybe somebody like a miles gaskin that's already on the team and then we're going to move forward with our running back room right after that Yep. Get that done. Get that young talent in there with the first year offensive coordinators. Uh, you have your running back, not, uh, you know, not learning a new system or not unlearning another NFL system. Get the rookies in there, ride, ride, ride them with our young team. And uh, the, the future is super bright. The future is super bright, but the, uh, the lights are coming down in the town of Perfectville on this episode in the running backs room. We will be back with a tight ends room. Uh, then we'll go to the offensive line. We're going to talk about the coaching staff because I have some questions about the Miami Dolphins and what they are doing with the coaching staff year over year over year. If there's one area I can criticize Brian Flores, I think it's the coaching staff. And then we're going to jump into the defense, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're doing. Citizens of Perfectville. We are going through the entire team. We're stripping it down. We're rebuilding it in our image so that we can be great again uh but we've already done the quarterbacks we've already done the wide receivers and now the running back room is fixed chris anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here no good talking to you al borland enjoy uh, buying a rake at lowe's i'm gonna get me a steel rake because those last longer than the cheap ass plastic ones they try to sell you at the home depot uh with that and on behalf of everybody at the fanatics network only thing left to say is goodbye from perfectville later It was fun. It was fun to shit all over all of them. And I hope Patrick Lear doesn't listen to the show. I feel bad. It's, he knows. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.